Hello everyone, I'm here with Austin Bursavich. Uh, for people who don't know, he's a member of Rivals League. He also won the Grand Finals kind of recently. Um, I don't know, I think it's going to be interesting to talk to you today because you kind of burst onto, onto the scene kind of recently during like the arena age. I, th I know you like did well uh, even before that a little bit, but you know, you're kind of a new pro, let's say. Uh, how is it going, man? Yeah, it's going well. How about you? I'm not doing too bad, I guess. I mean, I cannot really go anywhere because of COVID. Like, it's really, really bad in Czech. I think it's the worst in Europe, but besides that, I'm doing all right. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're we're similar. I mean, I'm in the U.S. and not going not going places often, but um, but yeah, it's it's been fine. I try to get out the house, walk, go to the park, and stuff at least. Mm -hmm. So what I started doing uh, recently is that you know when I when I start talking to some someone, I don't go go immediately to magic, but at, like at first I'm gonna try out uh, find out a little bit more about you, uh, you know, in other in other uh, things like work and stuff like that. Uh, when I asked you, you said you're like a project manager for work, but you're also married and you have three kids. Uh, I don't know uh, if you have like any hobbies besides that. It seems really hard to be a pro magic player, have a full-time job and have three kids, but maybe you do. Uh, if you can just tell us something about yourself, uh, what you're doing outside of magic, uh, you know, that would be great. Yeah, these days um, it really isn't a lot. I'm, I'm working from home, so, so I work Monday through Friday and um, and yeah, I try to play as much magic as I can, but I really don't even get to play much magic except when I'm, you know, when I'm preparing for a tournament. And my girls are still young. My oldest is, is seven, and the the two little ones are are um, are three and two, so they're not in school yet. And um, my wife, my wife is around and watches them, but we're always we're always busy with something, going to the park, have stuff going on. So so yeah, these days not much. When I was younger, I, I played sports and played a lot of a lot of poker and magic in high school and college and stuff but but at this point yeah just hanging out watching tv and movies and sports and uh play magic when i can it's really mm -hmm. it yeah that makes sense i i, I mean during the during the COVID age it's kind of it's kind of the same for everyone no one is really going anywhere so it makes sense uh you mentioned poker maybe you're not playing as much you know anymore but you know, when I ask you on Twitter what you do, what, what you like used to do and stuff, you, you mentioned poker, and maybe that was also the reason why you weren't playing as much Magic. Um, can you maybe talk about the beginnings? Because you said that you started with Kamigawa when I asked you. That's even before me, and I think that's like maybe like seventeen years back. But you're kind of like on the pro scene for like uh, the last. Yeah, yeah you're kind of on the pro scene for like the last two years or something. So if you can maybe talk about the beginnings, why you maybe weren't playing so much and poker and stuff like that, just go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I guess when I was like nine or ten, maybe I was playing like Yu-Gi-Oh with my older brother at like the local card store. We had, I guess, we collected Pokemon cards when I was even younger, but never actually played the game. But then, um, yeah, we started playing Yu-Gi-Oh for like maybe a year or two. And um, I'm gonna stop we here. I'm gonna stop. Really I'm gonna stop you right yeah. there because maybe if we get out of that. Uh, yeah. Not many people I talk sure. to mention Yu-Gi-Oh. So if you can maybe just tell us at least a little bit, like, is it maybe similar to Magic, like anything? Because, you know, you're the oh, first yeah. one who mentioned it. Okay, yeah, sure. So, yeah, a lot of people know Yu-Gi-Oh for maybe the show on TV or whatever, but didn't play. They just know the cards. But, yeah, it's a very similar game to Magic, I would say. Um, 
there's no like mana system so you just play your cards and there's like there's still like creatures but i think they were called monsters instead of creatures and their spells it's, it's it's really similar to magic but um yeah it's just like a one-on-one game where card game where you try to kill your opponent same thing but um but yeah never played like big tournaments we just played at the local shop the, the tournaments they had but we were always competitive so like we were getting the best decks and we built up a big collection but then they banned a bunch of the best cards and the game was kind of changing and randomly one day we just like found magic there was like a ptq going on and i didn't know anything about magic i was like 10 years old but there was like a mirrored in a mirrored in ptq or something mm-hmm. and i'm like looking at the cards and we finally got some cards and yeah my brother's three years older than me so he was always like one who collected and he would build up a collection in Yu-Gi-Oh. Then he did the same thing in Magic. He started, you know, keeping binders and trade trading cards and we started to build decks. And I don't know, it just kind of evolved from there. I, I found Magic Online quickly after that. So I um I played Magic Online in high school, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. And um I just met I met some good players online and then we started traveling to PTQs and stuff. But I never really like took it serious and was like, I'm gonna try to be a pro magic player or whatever i just kind of would play would play all the time for fun and it just kind of happened where eventually mm-hmm. eventually i um so you, i won a ptq and- i'm sorry you mentioned the fact that you like found online immediately but you also said that you like you know found magic when you were 10 i are you basically saying that like maybe at age 12 or something you were just like mostly playing online that's like kind of unusual i think yeah i think it is unusual but it is true like when i was uh, i mentioned poker but when i was like probably in fifth or sixth grade i was already playing poker like i guess it was 2003 when chris moneymaker won the main event so i was Mm -hmm. i was 11 at that point i was already getting into it some of my friends played and my older brother and we would play like full tilt poker free rolls and stuff and i had a computer like once i was in sixth or seventh grade i had my own computer so i was i was already playing online poker and then yeah, we found Magic Online. We had a kid at our high school, uh, Kyle Babbitt, who doesn't really play Magic anymore, but he was a good player, actually. And he, he showed us Magic Online. And I just remember, like, playing sealed decks, like Ravnica and drafting all the time and trying to, like, build up our collection. And then the first extended deck we got was Tabs. I remember that. And, yeah, I was, like, I was like 11, 12, 13 years old. And, um, and then somewhere in there, when I was, like, 13 or 14, um, Tom Ross, I had met him playing like local PTQs and stuff. And he, um, he was like, you know, telling the people in the OSIP clan that I had high rating and was a good player. So they added me and that's where I met like a bunch of like Brad Nelson and, uh, and Owen and a bunch of, a bunch of good players, John Rolfe and Trunks and your chicken, all them in, um, in the OSIP clan. And so that was a fun time for a few years where we were just grinding and so were you I like hang, hang, I'm sorry guys. to interrupt, but you're like hanging out with these yeah, no players problem. and like preparing with them even like back then? Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, so on Magical Line back in the day you had like a clan chat where oh, I see, it was I like see. 24-7. There was like a Discord inside of the client basically. So when you log on you could just like see what people were talking about. And we were just basically like I was just trying to like build up my magical line collection and just get better and trying to win PTQs, live PTQs, online PTQs, whatever. But um, but mostly it was just like talking about decks, and I remember like me and uh, Corey Bomeister, Brad's little brother, built like a, a blue white block deck in Zendikar. We played it a ton, and we like I won some tournament. Brad beat me actually in like the mocks and the finals or something in that format. But um, yeah, somewhere in there I won a PTQ in like 2009 and played my first Pro Tour, and um, we found Grand Prix at some point. But yeah, like I said, it was always on and off for me. Like I played one or two Grand Prix a year for 10 years. I was never like traveling, trying to 
to do anything. And it was because I was playing poker. Like I, I always took poker more seriously. Like mm-hmm. I was just, um, even at 16, 17, 18, 19, I was playing poker online, playing poker live, traveling, playing poker, poker tournaments, and just mostly still just screwing around. But I would like go to Vegas for the summer for the world series three or four years in a row and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, magic was just kind of always like my competitive outlet in for fun, but Mm-hmm. Um, this is I always this is always kind of interesting for me if someone is like playing so much poker or like so much magic it doesn't really matter which one that when they have actually free time this they, they decide to spend that free time on like a different card game um don't you think it's like kind of weird that like maybe you would like to do like some sport or something because i think that if you're like really focusing on like a certain card game um if if you if you decide to spend time playing why you just like not playing that game and you're like dividing your skills into a different one like did you ever think about that yeah it is weird it is weird and i think i would go on like streaks where like with magic it was always like i would play for like two or three months a ton every day if i liked the format like when fairies was a deck i just like played a ton of fairies i want a ptq online and then i want another ptq live with fairies but then like i would just spend like six months to a year where i never even knew what the sets were like i didn't draft at all i was just i guess i was just focused on poker and i would just kind of like go back and forth and I guess I would always would always draft or would be in the background, but but um, but yeah, it's a good question. I, I still had I still had other stuff um, besides magic and poker, but it is kind of weird. I would just like go from one to the other. I guess mm-hmm. I never I never really I should have probably tried to just focus on one because I, in poker I just I slacked off and just didn't really care. And I, I was I'm just so young, you know. I got into everything so young was part of it. I'm like 15, 14, 15, 16, 17, and I was just having fun and. I just love the competitiveness of both games, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fine. I, just, I was just curious. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so you said that you played like maybe two GPs a year, may, like you know, every now and then you won a PTQ. But uh, I think it was 2019 you won GP Dallas. Uh, I don't know if that was like the breaking point, but after that you like kind of won everything. I think you made like a Pro Tour top eight, like RPT. RPT top eight, then you like top sixteen the, the the finals, then you like won the grand finals. Um, was there like a point where you just like decided I'm gonna like really focus on this, or maybe you just like accumulated like knowledge because you're like older now and you just like started winning even though you're maybe not playing as much? Like, can you can you maybe like talk about that time? Yeah, I think it was just like a big whirlwind combination of everything, just getting lucky and and just good timing. But um, I actually. Uh, the first pro tour that I did well at was like maybe five years before that fate reforged. And, um, it was just another random, like I won a PTQ or something, um, and went to go play it. Didn't test with anyone really. What format, um, what format was it? It was, um, was it modern or extended? I guess it was modern. Yeah, it's modern and, um, and draft. So it was like, uh, what set is that called? It's fate reforged, but it was, not Kaladesh, Cons of Tarkir is like the base set, Cons of Tarkir. Mm-hmm. So... Was it a maybe the yeah, one that, uh, that was won by Splitter Twin? I don't really remember. Yes, yes. It's okay. like Amulet versus Splitter Twin. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, so that Pro Tour, I, I drafted a lot, just like preparing, maybe did 100 drafts, and I really liked the draft format. And I, I 3-0'd the first draft, and in Constructed, 
I was either going to just play the the Abzan deck that was like the the rock that everyone was yeah, playing. Yeah. It was like the most played deck. Or I was going to play Infect. And when I got to the Pro Tour, Tom had tested with Pantheon like for the first time, Reed and all those guys. And they are all playing Infect. And Tom's like, yeah, you should play it. It's good. Here's like, you know, you should change these three or four cards. Like you should definitely play four, become a mint. Like he just told me everything because we were staying in the same room. So I just played basically the Pantheon uh, Infect deck with like a couple of small changes. Did they, did they, did they and, know uh, that he gave you the deck list? Yeah, I think he told them because he was like, I'm staying with him, and we worked on the deck before I came to y'all, basically, is what he said, which uh -huh, was okay. kind of true. I mean, I had talked to him about Infect before he left for Pantheon, but anyway, yeah, he did tell them, and uh, they were cool about it. I, I ended up going to dinner with them, like, after day one and talking about the deck and stuff, so I don't think they really cared, but um, but yeah, I went I went 5-0, so I was 8-0, and then I threw it all away on camera. There's a point <laughs> where I have, yeah, I have Lethal, and I just, like, it's a long story, but basically I... I looked at my life pad and I thought they were at zero infect, but I had already attacked for two, oh. for two. And so I could only deal them eight and like I thought I couldn't kill him. So I just tried to set it up to kill him the next turn. But then he had like Simeon Spirit Guide to hide my pack to kill me and oh, uh, no. and I died and uh, didn't make top eight. So yeah, I made top 16 <laughs> there. But anyway, the point of that story is that uh, after that Pro Tour, Brad Nelson and them, uh, we're on a big team like uh, Steve Rubin, Seth Manfield, and they joined with... Uh, the Star City people like like uh, Brad, BBD, Jerry Thompson, and then Ari Lax and all them. And they, they had this big conglomerate with like Andrea Miguchi. I mean, we had like a massive team, but they wanted me to, to join because Brad was like wanting to learn limited. And he was like, you crush this draft format and you should join our team. So I joined their team. And that year I played like four or five pro tours in a row. And that helped me a lot, testing with Seth and Brad and them. Um, and uh, I missed gold by one point because I just I didn't play Grand Prix and I also like it was the middle of the season you know how it is mm -hmm. like I, yeah. I, I did well at that growth store and it was like the wrong one basically so I ended up being like silver and bronze for like years just because of that even though I wasn't playing so I got to play a bunch of RPTQs and I was just like hanging around but I started to have the family and have kids and have my real job and I just I wasn't really trying very hard but then that was just a local Grand Prix that Dallas, we had moved to, uh, to Houston. So it was like a couple hour drive and I just played blue white control, even though Hogak was the best deck. And, um, there's no pro points anymore at that point. So there wasn't very many pros. There was only like two players with three buys in the whole tournament. And it was just like, I'm just playing like a blue white control as I copied from the internet, but I ended up winning that Grand Prix. <laughs> and, um, and that qualified me for the, the Oko pro tour which was, I guess, Mythic Championship 6. Yeah. It was the last paper, the last paper Mythic Championship. And um, I prepared by myself for that again. I drafted a ton of Eldraine, and I ended up 6-0 in draft. What's the key to Eldraine? I actually won a GP in Eldraine, but I think I got pretty lucky. Oh, nice. So if, if you can, oh, yeah, you can the key, tell me secrets. So. <laughs> oh, the key to Eldraine is just forcing blue. Like, it just, like, people knew that blue was good for the most part, and they knew, like, and Merfolk's Secret Keeper thing because of Arena was like this deck, this mill deck, no, the bots don't take it or whatever for a period of time. But in reality, it was just that Blue had like 14 good commons and there's like, you could draft a five color deck and be base Blue. You could draft like four different Blue decks that are all like, you know, Blue splashing a little bit of red for Improbable Alliance or whatever. You could just be like a pure control slash mill deck. You could also be like aggressive with flyers. And it was just like, the rares were way better too. So you just like always wanted to be blue. And at the pro tour, like Max Mick was mono blue on my right on day two. And I just drafted mono blue anyway on his left and just still three. Like it just, you just should always be blue basically. Okay. Okay. 
And yeah, that was that was my trick to it. And you know, it's not common that a format is like that where I'm confident to be like you can just force it. But that's what I did for like the weeks before and at the pro tour, and it just worked. Like the draw three, scry three card, whatever that was called, the five mana card, yeah. it was just un- underrated and just so good. And you just like got them fourth or fifth pick because people just didn't agree with me, I guess. But yeah, that was the secret to it, Jane. All right. Uh, so what happened after that? Yeah. So after that pro tour. Uh, you top sixteen. You top sixteen that proto, right? So I, yeah, I actually was the number one seed going into the top eight. Oh yeah, so that top eight, I just played the the Soltai Oko deck, and I just ran good, and um, I was like thirteen and one, got to draw the last couple of rounds, and then I lost in the top eight to Sebastian Pozzo in a in a mirror. He was playing just the blue green Oko, but after that, I joined um, Alan Wu and Mark Jacobson and them team seven percent, just like the giant Pro Tour Discord team with like twenty five people, and um, the first tournament together we had was the R. RPTs basically, so that was going to be RPT Phoenix for most of our team. Some of them actually played the Europe one as well, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that testing went pretty well, and I ended up playing blue white control, even though most of my team switched to the the Lotus Breach deck or whatever, and I did well there as well. I yeah, I, I want to ask you about that as well because yeah, you yeah. know I obviously played that tournament as well, and I like start blue white was the first leg that I tried. I liked it a lot at, at first, but then I just wasn't winning with it. Um, did you just like play it really well, or like how did you win with the deck? It was just so bad, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think the deck was extremely good uh, at the beginning of the format, and it started to evolve into spots where it like wasn't the best. But you could adapt and change some cards. And Dream Trawler was like massive for me in the in the tournament and just in general in the sideboard i played like more than most people i think i played three and most people played like one or two but it was just like against mono black mono red spirits all these decks my plan was just like dream trawler mm-hmm. and um lsv was actually playing a lot of the blue white deck as well and i i watched the streams and you know he added like some soul guide lanterns and just like one or two cards changing up uh really helped like some of the matchups like the soul tire uro deck that people picked up and i ended up beating a lot of good players in that tournament too i, I beat the the soul tire uro deck i beat sebastian he was actually playing that deck and um, yeah, I probably just ran good. I had some really close matches against Mono Red, and um, I beat Spirits a couple of times. I don't know. I, I probably just ran good, but but yeah, I've also just played like Blue White Control in every format for years, and I'm just comfortable with it. And I didn't want to play the Lotus Breach deck after a couple leagues with it. I was just like, felt like I was screwing up and losing games I should win, so I just stuck with the Blue White Control, and it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um. So now we at the point that uh, there is the RPT round, right? Like the not RPT, yeah. like the like the like the Pro Tour Finals or whatever it was called. Yeah, I don't really Pro Tour remember. Finals. Yeah, it was coronavirus happening at this point. Like, like there was supposed to be a Pro Tour Finals in Houston, which is where I was living, and like the whole team was gonna come. It was gonna be awesome, but then they they pushed it back. Then they like rescheduled it for a new place. Then they were like, okay, we're actually gonna cancel everything, and it got all screwed up. And I was doing well in the rivals race, obviously, because it was just that from that last tournament. So I was frustrated that they like canceled it and they just like decided rivals and there was big falling out about that. And it was like, whatever, they decide to move it online. So the Pro Tour final was going to be just like an online tournament with a smaller prize pool, but, um, but ended up just being an arena standard, standard only, I think. Yeah. And it was uh, team of reclamation times where like four color reclamation ended up being like, you know, the thing people went to to try to win the mirror. But I tested with Alan and, and Tommy and those guys again, and we just decided that Teamer was better than Four Color. And we added some Maze Mind Tomes and a few little things for the mirror. And I ended up making top 16 and Alan made top eight. 
And so that was another good tournament. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that qualified me for the grand finals that I won. <laughs> um, yeah. That was the Omnot tournament, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. I, I saw some of the matches. Like, obviously, there is like no single key. It was like very intricate, many decisions. But like, did you find anything that the other players didn't find? If you can maybe talk about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the in the, a lot of the matches in the top eight and stuff, I've rewatched them, and I made a, I made a lot of small mistakes in some of the games, but um, they're just so complicated and so hard on arena with the clock and the rope. Like in these matches against Nasif and against uh, Levy, I was just under time pressure and just like I know I'm not going to play perfectly, but you just have to try to execute as well as you can. But um, from their side. I think their deck list was a bit off. Like they, the sideboard package with Fan Wishes is super important, and you know I had the fling and the the problem. Yeah, I was about to. I, I was about to say like there was a game against Nasif, but it like looked like he can't lose. But then you just flinged him out. Um, did you like? <laughs> did you like? Was that your plan or did you, like? I don't know. Oh yeah, that was my plan in that game, and that was my plan in most of the close games in the top eight that I won because it's like. That matchup was just so good. I really enjoyed it. It was like some really great magic, the Omnath Adventures Mirror. And it's because like at every level of the game, like so many different things matter. Like early on, it can be about like an innkeeper getting onto the board, but also can be about uh, the the Lucky Clover. But it's like also about just ramping and like generating more lands. Like whoever gets ahead on lands is, has such a big advantage, but not if your like life total is if you have to worry about your life total, then it's like things kind of change. So it's just it's just a great matchup. But but having the fling meant that it's like you can get into spots where it just doesn't matter what they do on their turn because Beanstalk Giant, you're both gonna have 15 lands and it's like the the deck just doesn't play enough counter spells. Like they have one negate or whatever, one other counter in their sideboard, but I have a negate too and I have another counter too. So it's like even if they're they're starting to get ahead on cards and on the board. If you chip them down below 20, it's like they can just get flinged out. So were the other people not playing fling? I actually didn't check all the deck lists. So yeah, so my team, uh, I, I know Alan and I both played it. I don't know if Gertler played it, but I, I think he did. He, I, I know he he liked Imbercleave better, but um, but I tried to talk him out of it. I don't remember what he settled on. But uh, Nasif and Levy and all them, they played Imbercleave instead, which is it's better in like in general, but you have to untap with the Beanstalk Giant. So it's like you have to play the Beanstalk mm-hmm. Giant, then you have to untap and attack with it, and you can kill somebody from a much higher life total. So, if it, you know, they thought because of Omnath, you're gaining life, and it's like you might have to kill somebody from 30 life or whatever, so Embercleave is better. But I found the opposite. Like, because of Omnath, I'm, like, chip, chipping people. I'm dealing them four from ramping, and, like, people were often just at, like, 12 or 10, even though I haven't attacked. And you have Bone Crushers, too, and, and Lucky Clover. Yeah. So it just seemed like the fling was was working better and that's how the top eight played out like i won like every game being stuck flinging some of them where i couldn't really win any other way like that deceive game <laughs> that's very impressive so after that um the as you said like the rival slot were kind of were kind of locked but something happened right like uh i think it was it eric frolic yeah that's right eric frolic's uh, wife uh, accepted a job with Wizards mm-hmm. full time. I guess she was a contractor already working for them, but um, since she was going full time, they have that rule where you're not allowed to, you know, yeah. you're not allowed to be a pro or work for them. Like if you're, yeah, if your significant other that you live with works for Magic, so he had to drop out basically, and they just sent me an email that and invited me, and um, just lucky timing that I just won the Grand Finals because I'm sure if like I got second and Aaron won, they would have just invited Gertler. So it's just like. Just so happened that I won that tournament and got in. But. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, as we said at the beginning, you obviously have a full-time job and kids, but now you're in rivals, you're like one bunch of tournaments. Um, are you like playing more because of that? Or like, you know, what, what is going on with you uh, and Magic right now? Because obviously, you know, now you have a lot more to win. Yeah, it's crazy because before I got into rivals, it was like everyone was kind of down on Magic and a lot of people on the outside who aren't in the leagues were like, you know, am I supposed to like, try my hardest or like try to qualify for this stuff it only qualifies you for one thing at a time you can't even like string stuff together there's no grand prix like everything was kind of in a limbo but i had just done well at the oko pro tour so i was like i'm gonna go for rivals and i'm gonna like try my hardest and we prepared and i did well at the rpt so i was like ready to go but then they like ripped it all away and were like okay we're canceling it sorry you're not in rivals and you can't get in until next year so i was like demoralized a bit and um I didn't practice as hard for the Pro Tour Finals, but I was like, you know, I'm still going to try. And I ended up top 16-ing. And then for the Grand Finals, since it was just like a cool tournament, I really wanted to try my best and prepare in a small field and still a good prize pool. So I tried my best there and happened to win it. But it was like, when they invited me to Rivals, it was like this weird like relief, like I made it. My goal was to like make the leagues, basically. But now I'm in, and I just got immediately thrown in. Like I had to play 24 matches in one weekend to catch up with my uh, the 12 that I missed. So I had like all these hugely important league matches right away and I didn't really get to test as much as I would like. And then um, since then, you know, I've just been so busy at work and with the kids and I've kind of just not been playing Magic much at all, except like the week or two before we have league matches and have a tournament coming up. So I'm playing less, I would say, than I was like a year oh, ago. But, uh, but yeah, focusing hard that week before still, trying to make sure I have a good deck and I'm, I'm up to shape, but yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think I've asked everything I wanted to ask about. Good luck in your in your in your league, uh, and with the kids and everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. If you guys like the video, please click on the like and subscribe button, and bye bye.